Here's the snapback. Here's the kick. He's got the leg into it. If it is good, and it is! Austin scores! A 49-yard field goal, and Indiana leads 27 to 24. Oh, it's an end around one to go. Rolling out of the pocket to a strong hand. Delivers deep down the field. Caught touchdown! Fry Fogel again! Welcome to Daily O Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bragg. You can find me on Twitter. It's at Bragley, B-R-A-G-G-L-E-Y. I'm here with former high school defensive back and co-host Brandon. You can find him on Twitter. It's at Brandon Dubich. Brandon spelled traditionally Dubich, D-U-B-I-C-H. What's up, Brando? Uh, just now recovering from drinking all of Seth's booze. Thank you, <laughs> Seth, for letting me come over and raid your liquor cabinet. Uh, Seth is clearly not recovered because uh, he's not here yet, um, <laughs> but he will be. And uh, also a former high school defensive back. Our producer, Seth, you can block him on Twitter. It's at Setah5, S-E-T-A-H-5. Um, if you don't know why I'm dropping the credentials, it doesn't matter. But if you do, then there you go. You're welcome. Um, okay, we're here to talk about the frustrating game, second frustrating game in a row. Final score, IU 21, Nebraska 35. IU falls to 3-2. and two. Nebraska improves to 2-3. and three. Um we can just leave that part alone, right, Brandon? We just keep on moving. Just keep the freight train right on rolling. Okay. And because I've got some mental issues, I uh, decided to watch the press conference again. Um, I kind of want to watch it just to see what I saw today. And it was, I just watched Baz and I watched CTA. And they were two, um, two very frustrated, upset people uh baz shows little to no emotion in any of his uh press conference so just imagine like a like a normal 22 year old 21 year old kid that you're asking questions to he's going to be like very monotone answers and like whatever but he was uh he was a little pissed uh sorry about that but um you know he claimed which i thought was funny we talked about this before we started uh, they asked him about the drops and about some of the issues that he was having with the backup wide receivers. Um, he he straight up said Nebraska was holding and bumping on every single play, uh, which I was surprised to hear from somebody like him, let alone really anybody on the team. Um, I mean, they were calling everything. Yeah. So, like, I'm a little surprised he said that and we didn't see any of that being called. But then again, like since they were calling everything, maybe you could just get away with stuff too. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's because, part of it too. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love to see that emotion out of him though. I mean, because me that's, too. it's clearly, clearly he's frustrated with himself, with the team. And, um, you know, players either fight or flight. And it seems like Bass is going to fight, which is yeah. great. Yeah, it's there were multiple times in this game where I was never take him out, but I don't well never mind. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, he also called out the five drops without calling out individual players, which I thought was uh kind of a leadership move. Like 
hey, we we all know what went wrong and we know who did it, but we're just going to move on and, and keep going. CTA, on the other hand, <clears throat> a couple weird things. One, Brandon, what's the color he always wears? Red. Black. That's right. Ah. He always wears black. Um, showed up to the press conference with a white shirt on. Uh, always had, goes through the whole press conference with a water bottle next to him. Took the water bottle off the press box or off the press table, stuck it underneath. Thought that was a weird move. Um, <clears throat> thought he was going to throw it actually because he came up there pretty hot. Um, talked, you know, obviously about the good things that happened, uh, one of which being Jalen Lucas. Uh, some interesting things that came out of his mouth, Brandon. He's going to return kicks from now on. Uh, they're going to, quote, get him more touches, quote, need to continue with that, and quote, it's a priority moving forward. Um, I, I think that, and they asked him why it took so long to realize, you know, or why, why is it taking five games for him to get this many touches and then as we continue to go on? But, I mean, the guy just turned 18, right? Is that right? Um, Baz took a little shot at him today. He said he thought it was hilarious that he he was born in 2004. Um, That's wild, man. Wants to make you feel old at all. Uh, but my goodness, man, we'll t- I'm sure he'll come up later. So we'll save a little bit of Jalen Lucas talk for a little bit later on. But um, I'm glad to see that they're going to take um, some more investment into him. Obviously, Redshirt is burned at this point, uh, which is fine. And I think we knew, but we need some more Jalen Lucas, Brando. Anything else you want to add on Jalen? Mm, I'll save it. All right, let's save. So you just gave away who you're stock rising is cool um cta did something that was interesting that had kind of bothered me for a couple days how many i want to know how many delay of game penalties we have i want to say it was at least two i mean i've never seen one to start a game that one twitter was was, was weird yeah twitter was lighting it up and it was a all of it was justified yeah like how do you have an entire week to not know the first play you're gonna call that was weird. And I think they knew it. And then I think Baz tried to, I don't know if Bell called it or if Baz has the right to call an audible at all, but it looked, it looked like they were trying to change the play and it didn't work. And you know me, man, first half, <clears throat> first half timeouts to me, they don't mean anything no, like nothing. They, I don't care. And, you know, to burn it, that's fine. But at that point in the game, I mean, it's hard for me, even me to defend it. So, um, but the other ones, and I don't know if you noticed this or not, just based off of how much liquor you did have and the fact that Seth had to um, text you to make sure you were okay and home. Um, but, uh, and he doesn't drive drunk. He was, he was very responsible, I promise. Um, he took a shot at Nebraska's defense, which is, was a hell of a gamesmanship move by them, Brandon. The rule, as you know, but many of our listeners may not know, and college, if you make an offensive substitution, and it may be the same in the NFL, Brandon, you can tell me if it is. Um, if you make an offensive substitution, the defense is allowed to substitute their players. True. And for the first time, and it's been a rule for at least this may be the second year. Uh, Seth um, heard me talk about it for at least 10 minutes. Straight. Okay. They used it to a T. So credit to them, but also they can go F themselves because they were subbing in at their leisure was what the quote from uh, Tom Allen was today, which caused two uh, delay of game penalties 
at least. And then I think we burned at least one other timeout in a different situation because bad. I mean, Baz is standing there like, come on, like, get out of the way. Get out. I, I thought yeah, the, right the ref is standing when the ref's standing over the ball, the play clock can't run. Yeah. The play it's, clock can't run until he sets the ball. So the ref isn't supposed to hold the ball. Then he sets the ball down. Then it's supposed to start. So that, so what happened was not okay. Is what you're saying? Correct. Right. It was a hundred percent on the refs. It was a hundred percent on the refs. Was, okay. So this it was a okay. clown show. That's what I thought. So, because I did not think that that was like, cause if that was a rule, people would do it all the time. Yep. And, or your offense would literally never take a single player off and you would just have to carry dead bodies down the field or whatever, yep. after they've run multiple go routes or like whatever. But uh, yeah, that was weird. Um, he was asked about offensive line. You know, he's, you know, some of the quotes played better this week, but needs to get better recruiting player development. Um, Josh sales should see, uh, well, that's hard to say. Josh sales should see. Um, I'm pretty sure I called him shales again. Still, it didn't matter, but he should be Gale getting more reps. Sell seashells at yeah, the seashore. You guys try it at home. It doesn't matter. Um, and the, the quote that kind of stuck out was big picture wise, we need to get better there. So he, I mean, the area of improvement, we're, we're not, you know, we're not the coaches, but we think we are. And when I say we, I mean like the collective, we as a fan base, the guy's not dumb. He knows what needs to be fixed. They just got to get it fixed. So, um, and then, uh, let's see here. Average, you know, this one really stuck out to me. Average start position was 15 yards less than what Nebraska had per possession. I mean, two possessions started at the one, um, you know, defense dropped two interceptions. One of them should have been a pick six. And then the big one, another big one, Nebraska three for three on third down in the fourth quarter. Just like mental mistakes, as as you and I talked about pregame before we started this pod. Um, it's just things that, that you've got to clean up. And when they clean them up, this is a very good team. Good enough to beat some pretty good teams and should have won that game. So, um, you know, but props to Nebraska for pulling through when they needed to pull through, made some big plays, special teams. Um, and some big stops on D. So anything else you want to add press conference wise, or do you want to keep it rolling right into what went right, which should be very short. And then we can get into what went the wrong way. So, and welcome Seth, by the way, Seth is here. Who looks like he's freezing. Are you okay? He does. Yeah. I just woke up had a, had a nice little nap. There was, and you can go to bed like <laughs> after this. That's impressive. Good for you. Um, okay. What went right? Hard. What went right? We'll start with Seth. Seth, what went right Saturday? Uh, I think they made the right decision. Um, again, this is barring a couple of things here. Um, choosing Lucas over Cooper, it looks like, as burning the red shirt. I uh, did not see Cooper out there at all. Um, so he's used his four games up, if my math is correct. And it looks like Lucas is now going to be the third running back maybe hopefully slot receiver returner. Oh, you uh, were here fit- when I was saying that uh, oh, yeah. he did say he's going to be returning kicks from now on. Uh, need to get him more touches, need to continue with that priority moving forward. So, yeah. I think, I think my tweets were pretty evident. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, of course that was, that was something that went right. I mean, for me, I left it blank. I think the same with Brandon. No, no I right? do have one thing. Uh, Seth only heard me repeat this. 1300 times maybe they started bringing pressure late in the mm-hmm. uh, first half and then pretty much all second half um which they've been reluctant to do over the first couple games of the season and it were i mean they gave up 35 points 
but the defense, when it actually made positive plays, it was because they were creating pressure and they were doing it from different players from different ways. Um, so I actually did think that in-game adjustment, whether that was Tom Allen or Chad Wilt, uh, was a positive one. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I can I can cite on that. And then I guess I'll stick on the defensive side of the ball, which is weird. Again, seven points came from special teams. Um, and then you've got, for me at least, they won the takeaway battle, I guess, is what you could take away on what went right. One fumble recovery and one one interception. Um, that's yeah, like in, really in my it, mind, man. they really only scored 14 points. Like two of the plays were just complete mental breakdowns in the secondary yeah. Yeah. and then a blocked punt. So like 21 out of the 35 points should not have happened. Like, That's, yeah, that's 35 points now, right? Three mental mistakes last week. Um, two against Nebraska. That's 35 points at the second. They, they got to get the secondary figured out. And me, I am pretty sure I texted this to you, or maybe I was just yelling it at myself or the, or my buddy. Uh, I was watching the game with that literally had no investment in it. Um, screaming. Loyola Marymount. Yes. Right? Yes. Why did we have Philip Dunham in the game on third and nine, trying to be the deepest safety with the best player? I would say, I mean, he looks great. Jordan Palmer looks great. Um, the best player on their side of the ball matched up with him. It made no sense. Um, and that was kind of, I mean, Aaron Casey was matched up with him a couple of times. I yep. mean, some of the defensive decisions were like, we weren't prepared for Palmer to line up in the slot. I think it's just like, smart. I didn't, I didn't it's smart I, offense. It is. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it's, it's smart on their end. They did. I mean, let's look at their stats real quick. I haven't really looked at them um, receiving stats. That's it, dude. Like the next best receiver for them had three catches. And then two, and then one, 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 one. That's it. I mean, he had eight to eight catches on. I can't even imagine how many targets, maybe 11 targets. I don't have the whole thing pulled up. But 10, 11 targets, I would say. 157 yards and a touchdown with a long of 71, and that's that backbreaker. Um, the guy was the guy that they were going to. Him and the running back, that's it. I mean, Casey Thompson didn't impress me really at all. I mean, outside of his arm was pretty good. Um but his decision. I thought, I thought he was great. identical to Baz. He made for every one good throw, he made two or three. Like, what the heck was that throws? Yeah. Um, I, I, I didn't think there was any difference in the quarterback play. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's move over to what went wrong. Um, man, it's it's tough. I I don't even know where to start. I'll let you start, Brandon. Uh, I mean you got to control the controllables, right? And that's your own execution. The penalties were just devastating. Multiple third and shorts turned into third and longs, multiple second and longs took in second and way too long, um, which pretty much killed drives. I mean, the penalties were just inexcusable. And when you're already offensively challenged, like they're just drive killers, like, you know, some of the things you can't control, that you can. And when your margin of error is as slim as I use is, you just can't. You can't. No, you're absolutely right. And the one thing I was going to go with, um, I had two things written down here, but I'm going to go with pass pro. Um, so, again, 
I was complimentary of Lucas as being one of the decisions that went right. Um, using him as a pass blocker to pick up blitzing backers. Uh, he's just too small for that right now. Um, so that's the unfortunate downside to using, using him in that situation. So figuring out a way to use a tight end to chip block, there's gotta be some way to, uh, to better help the, the, the pass blocking without using the running backs. Yep. Completely agree there. I mean, it's just the situational awareness in the substitution patterns, whether it was Dunham. um, I mean, if you're going to have Lucas out there on an obvious pass down for someone to cover him instead of have him block, because his success rate on block is going to be virtually zero. If you can even just fling the ball to him, you're at least going to get your chance of success isn't zero. It's at least something. So, yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing I was just going to add was, um, does Baz not like throwing to tight ends? <laughs> I mean, I know Barner had a couple drops, but it just seems like he does not look their way very often. So, so uh, the thing there is, and I don't know if this has anything to do with tight ends, but like Baz is a statue and he's having to run for his life. He isn't comfortable in the pocket. And when you're not comfortable through your pocket, you're not going to go through your progressions. And a receiver is always ahead of a tight end, at least in this IU offense, in front of the tight end. So I think I think the reasons he's not throwing to tight ends is because he just doesn't have the time to make his way through the progressions. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. I was going to save, or I'll save that for later to talk about Baz. Sorry to step away for just a second. But um, yeah, man. I, I don't know if anybody else is going to have it on stock down because all we do is pick on it the entire time. But I mean, the uh, CTA said that the offensive line looked better on Saturday, but I, I mean, can it get much worse? So yeah, I guess technically it looked, may have looked better. I don't know how many sacks did he have on, on Saturday? Where are we well, at here? Three, but man, I'm a hundred percent with you. Like, that's what I was talking about. Cause I've never got, I, I don't think he's, I don't think he played bad enough to get pulled. I don't, I don't, I mean, he wasn't great again. Um, but I, what's the answer? You don't, the answer is just fix the players that are protecting him and give him the time to throw the football. I mean, how good was he go back to the final drive against one of the, I mean, it's turning out to be one of the best defenses in the country props to, to Seth on this, but Illinois, he tore that Illinois defense apart like it was nothing up and down the field in that last drive. And just it was, it was completion, 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 completion. He threw it was seven of eight, I'm pretty sure, on the end of the at the end of the game for 75 yards or so, 74. And I, I mean, the guy's a good quarterback. He just has to have more than a, a second and a half to throw the ball or maybe a half second to feel comfortable in the pocket. That's just the problem. So, all right. Anything else on what went wrong before we move on to our stocks? It was a big silent no from everybody. So as I was taking a drink, I was hoping somebody would say something. All right. I'm going to start since I haven't talked for a minute, but I'll I'll go. um, No, you know what? We lost. So we continue with the negative. We'll finish on a positive stock down. I'm going to go bass on offense. Um, And we just talked about him. As I said, I think he's a good quarterback, but man, he's made, he made some silly decisions. Um, some of them that could have really killed the game, uh, before the fourth quarter, forcing it into triple coverage a couple of times, 
Now, some of these, and at least the TV broadcast made it seem like this, um, could have been on the receivers. Uh, they were they were kind of all over Emory Simmons for not getting back to the ball quick enough, um, not making themselves available for when Baz did have to make uh, plays outside the pocket. Um, but still, the guy doesn't seem comfortable again. I mean, the whole uh, comfort factor that I've talked about and not being nervous when he's back there throwing the football, that's gone for me right now. Um, the first three games, as we've said, and I will continue to repeat two of the three against pretty decent defenses and one of them, one of the best in the country. I never felt scared of him throwing the football or never thought it was going to be anything I needed to worry about. But for me right now, stock down is, is bass and we'll see what he can do on Saturday, but that's what I got. All right. What uh, do you think, where do you think he ranks in QBR in the country? I thought you were going to ask big 10. But he's got to be ahead of Mertz, right? I don't know Mertz's. I don't know. Any, any guesses, Seth? I'd say in the hundreds out of 131, I think, right? Yeah. You're, you're not far off. He's 94th. Hmm. Uh, and most of that is because of intercep- interceptions and incompletions. Um, as I mean, I'm disappointed at this point. I'm with yeah. you. I don't think we can make a quarterback change. I, think, I still think his ceiling is higher than Tuttle's. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Tuttle wins us Cincinnati or Nebraska. Does Tuttle give you um, enough mobility to make the change? I don't think so. That's that's the that's the only thing that they need because he's a good quarterback. I'm telling you, I'll say it again. He's a good enough quarterback, middle of the road, top middle in the Big Ten. And he's just he just doesn't get the time to throw the football. Now, granted, and I will hammer this home. And I hope that this doesn't steal anything from you guys. You're missing your number one playmaker on offense. And you're missing a wide receiver. And I've said this to a bunch of people since Saturday. Your number one receiver who is in the top five in receptions, receiving yards, receiving yards per game, and yards per catch, I'm pretty sure, in the country. Not in the big in the country before last week. And he just happened, we last second gets sick, can't play in the game. Same thing with DJ Matthews. Went through warmups, didn't get cleared, out. And now all of a sudden you're scrambling. I mean, we've got decent depth, which I talked about. So here's not here's the thing depth. about benching Baz. Well, I believe his play may indicate that that's a possibility. He needs to be your quarterback next year, right? If you bench him for Tuttle now, Baz is gone. Like he'll just transfer. Got Soresby, baby. If you're heading into, if you're heading with a redshirt freshman, borderline three star as a quarterback, that could be really bad. Um, we need we you. I mean, it's I hate to bring up the Steelers, but like now that the Steelers benched Mitch, you can't ever go back to Mitch. No, like it is just now Kenny. If you bench Baz, it has to be Tuttle the rest of the way, and. Baz, I believe, still has a higher ceiling than Tuttle. Like, yeah. like the his arm is light years in front of Tuttle, right? Um, so I, I, you gotta stick with Baz, but you're right, man. His stock is plummeting, plummeting. Yes. And now again, we talk about this. I think every you know, if anybody's new on this one, stock up, stock down doesn't mean anything. I mean, stock up means. The player looks great in this game and, and, you know, hopefully you continue it forward. Stock down means it's not, you're not a bad player. 
No. It just means after this game, I mean, your stock is down. Nobody's buying Baz right now. That's all I'm going to say. Yep. So, all right, who do you got on offense? I have AJ Barner. We he, we really needed him to step up. Um, and it wasn't just drops this game. It's been drops all season. Um, I can't think of a significant play he's made, and we're more than a third of the way into this season. He's got um, one. He's got one. Was it Western Kentucky or Idaho where he bounced off the three guys up the middle? I think it was Idaho. That doesn't, that doesn't count. It doesn't count, but I get what you're saying. That's the biggest play that he's got so and, far. And, and here's my other thing, and this, and this may be nothing against Barner, so that this is this is guessing. But when your tackles are struggling, you at least send a tight end to chip. Barner looks like he has no interest in blocking whatsoever. Like he just like when he is in there to do it, he is basically a statue. Like he has no interest in blocking whatsoever. And honestly, we need our tight ends to be blockers right now um, because our tight ends are turnstiles or our tight ends, our tackles are turnstiles right now. So like he isn't blocking, he isn't making big plays. He's making crucial drops. Like I think we all, we all know Barner has the talent to do it. We need to see the play in the field. And, and, and right now we're not seeing that from him. Um, and we know, we know the talent is there. Seth, stock down offense. Um, I was going to go with hands. Um, I had drops written down as as the biggest disappointment from 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 last weekend. It was it was the five drops. It was, um, you know, it's the whole mantra of next man up. I mean, it's uh, it's exhausting. But um, the whole idea is you have to at least have the guys come in and be serviceable. Um, just make the plays they're expected to make. Nothing spectacular. But those five drops were expected plays. They weren't these leaping one-handed grabs as you're diving out of bounds. They were hit them in the hands and they just didn't pull them in. Um, and I think that's the most disappointing thing is you you know, you talk about the depth and I've heard you talk about it for two years now that the receiver's depth is off the charts and all this stuff. And, um, you know, they had every opportunity to make plays, uh, on Saturday and a couple of them just Holt just, Bennett just didn't. Simmons. I don't remember. Kobe dropped one. I don't know. He, he had did. a nice game. Kobe had a good game. Kobe had Kobe, a good game. Simmons yeah. had, a, had Simmons had one or two. Um, he had two, I think Barner had at least one or two. Holt Bennett had one, I want to say. Maybe Swin had one. But the, it, the funny part is the catch 22 on that, I guess. Uh, no pun intended on the catch part, but Emory Simmons, that touchdown that he had, that route was amazing. A beautiful route that uh, I think they ran a slant on the with the outside receiver and he ran kind of a, a fake inside and then faded to the outside corner of the end zone. And it, I mean, not only was the pass perfect, but the route was great. So he's he's got flashes to be good. Yep. It's just same with Barner. Talk, it, the, it's the whole team, Brandon. We talked about this before the podcast. If they can and, and Tom Allen hammered it at the press conference again is the consistency. If the team can stay consistent and put a full game together, they're capable of beating a lot of teams left on the schedule, but they've got to do it and they haven't done it consistently and for a full game and until they do it it's it's nobody's going to believe it so all right stock down defense um this one's going to hurt seth i think in the heart i'm gonna go bo robbins um since the illinois game really since the idaho game when he got his start he's been invisible i guess um 
I mean, he was good against Illinois. Again, another really good team so far as they've proven, um, you know, possibly winning the West is, is what are they're all tied, right? Seth is Purdue technically in first place. Is that what, how it works? And, and Wisconsin's in last. Yeah. But, uh, coachless coachless. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I think they just, they just took Jim Leonard, which is, uh, was a possibility for what's his name or for, uh, Nebraska, Nebraska. Right. Yeah. Which is amazing. Um, I hope they sign the guy that just beat IU. That'd be great. Um, but either way, Bo Robbins, that's my pick. I don't want to kill on him too much, but I mean, no impact in this game. One tackle. That's it. Nothing. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm staying on the defensive line um, because I mean, I can't go. The entire secondary is stocked down, um, but I'm going CO. I'm just so tired of him being put like Kate, like Aaron Casey and Cam Jones have to literally dance around CO to get to the ball carrier because he is two to five yards being pushed back. Um, it, it was very, very apparent. Um, and if that happens to you against Wisconsin or uh, Illinois, the team with like a really good offensive line, you're getting manhandled by Nebraska's offensive line. That is just, I mean, you can say the same thing about Demarcus Elliott. Um, the only defensive linemen that are really doing anything of the two guys from Ole Miss uh, Patrick Lewis does seem like those guys need to play more and I need to see less uh, DeMarcus Elliott and less CEO. Don't forget Tevis. Tevis had a, a, another decent game. Um, he's also been pretty good all year, but yeah, I, I, I mean, he's CEO's non-existent on the stat sheet. Zero. He doesn't even have an assist tackle. Nothing. Um, that's almost impossible when you're playing in the middle yeah, of the field. It, it, it is, it is, it is hard to see. So and it's disappointing. Cause I mean, DeMarcus Elliott kind of the same way, one tackle. Um, sorry. I just think I just stole Seth's, but all right. Stock down, Seth. You took my one, a, my one B my one C, and then you <laughs> talked about D the entire time. Um, so I'm going with the personnel decisions. Um, Again, I harp on this, it feels like every single week, but whoever is evaluating the talent on the defensive line, um, I don't understand what you see versus what I see. Uh, I don't get to see practice, so maybe there's something that they're you know showing in practice that isn't translating to the field. I don't understand it. Um, same thing with the linebackers. And guess what? Same thing with the safeties. So I don't, across the board, the talent, of, the talent evaluation, the self-scouting, whatever's going on, it's not up to snuff. They need to, I don't know if it's one of those things where people are coming in and out so much, they never get the feel for the game. Or if you're always in third and nine, um, you know, you're always going to be, you know, you're always going to be primed for giving up a big play. I don't, I don't know, but for some reason, it doesn't seem like the best 11 guys are on the field enough. And until that happens, you know, that's going to be a consistent, frustrating point of emphasis for me. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Um, non IU, I guess. So you you watch enough Purdue. Uh, is it same thing they're doing, or do they stay pretty consistent? Uh, I'd say they probably play about twenty to twenty four defensive players. So probably they they go to, they go full too deep. Okay, um, but it's not. It's mostly when people are gassed, not when people are. It's not so much for scheme based. It's not they don't have a passing yeah. defense and a rushing defense. It's I feel like defensive lines, they're just swapping them out every other drive. So you're you're not staying consistent with that. I mean, if they can 
if if the offense didn't just go 30 second three and out which is part of it which is a kind of part of us if you want to call a stock down again on the offense is the fact that you know it's again another double-edged sword where you're you're saying you know you want to run a fast-paced offense you want to be uh confusing for the defense but at the same time if you're going three and out you're off the field quick and that kills your defense so and when when you bring in nine defensive players on third and eight they know what you're doing (laughs) there's no like oh this is their maybe this is their passing scheme defense i don't know of course it is yeah all right let's uh we've spent so much time on this game already we need to just maybe fly through this part let's do it real quick stock up on the offense who do you got uh, for me, I mean, it's Jalen Lucas. The guy's an absolute stud. That double juke. I don't know if I've ever seen a juke in that quick succession from a college player. That was so impressive. I've watched it on my phone probably 10 times. Um, yeah, I mean, he he needs to get at least 10 touches a game. He's very good, and I would expect him to see a lot of the ball on Saturday. Seth? I'll go with another underutilized running back. I'm going with Josh Henderson. I I like what he does. I think when he gets on the field, points go on the board. And the fact they're not utilizing him enough is, you know, it's a sacrilege. Um, So get him involved. Get Lucas involved. You know, I feel like we know what the formula is, and it's just not coming together. Uh, They got to force it. They got to force a way to get both those running backs at least 10 touches a game. Yeah. Only error I really saw from Henderson on Saturday was a sack. And I don't know if it was, uh, I mean, Parker Hanna basically just let the guy go um, thinking that Henderson was going to take him and he didn't because he ran a route. So um, whether he was supposed to stay in and and chip the guy, I I don't know, but yeah, I'm going to go with uh, a guy that I've talked about all season um, that I think is a really good player and he's still really young and that's Anderson Kobe. Um, had a good game this, this game, five catches, 54 yards, um, finally showed, you know, what a little bit of burst that he's got his good hands. He's finally starting to, to catch the ball, which is great. Um, I think he's going to be a big factor down the, down the stretch. And I think that's going to be your emergent, uh, third wide receiver, Seth. So, uh, on defense, Brandon, uh, for being the Noah Pierre podcast, we haven't talked about him a lot this year, great but I thought game. he, I thought he had a great game. Mm-hmm. He seemed to be around the ball a lot. Um, Husky was a big position that we didn't know who was going to fill. It's not a natural position for him. If you look at what most Huskies are, it's not his build, but he's playing, he's playing the position really well. And he had his best game on Saturday night. Yeah. Four tackles, two sacks. So, and another quarterback hurry. So he was, he was good on Saturday, uh, really quick off that edge um, and unblocked every time. So, uh, Seth, what do you got? Uh, I just want to let Brandon know real quick that we have another guy who is not a fan of nice Brandon. So we'll talk oh, about that we? later. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this one's a good one, though. Um, <laughs> oh, shoot. Where was I at here? All right. I had Miles Jackson. It just seems like that guy tends to be in the right place at the right time. Uh, he had the, what is the interception and a fumble recovery previously, and he ended up being the recipient of the uh, touchdown. So, um, again, just one of those guys who happens to be in the right place seems like more often than not. I'm sorry, who did you pick? Because I was looking for whoever you were talking about on Twitter. Miles Jackson. Miles Jackson. Yeah, two. F- they get they're giving him credit for two fumble recoveries on ESPN, but there's only one. But yeah, he's made some big plays um, in the last couple games. And 
without him, uh, I'm not sure we would even be in three and two. So um, for me, I've got two left, man. I know one of them, his stock can't be any higher, and that's and that's McCullough. I thought he had another really good game, stood out. He was incredible. So the more national attention that he gets, hopefully the better for IU um, and the better for us. You know, again, I'm always going to be worried that he's just going to, I don't not even going to say it, but, um, but the real one is, and this one's going to hurt Brandon is, is Brian Fitzgerald. I think had himself a game on, on Saturday when he was in, I mean, he was making some pops. He was hitting some big time hits, came up big in the run game a few times, um, made some good stops to get to force a fourth down a couple of times. Brian Fitzgerald had a really good game. His so. run fills were run very fills good. Were fantastic. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's ever really been Brandon's complaint. I think Brandon's complaint is him in pass coverage, coverage and it, it's hard to, to argue with that. I get it. Uh, but he had himself a good game on Saturday. Okay. Let's uh, anybody else. And then we can just, we can keep it rolling. Let's keep it rolling. Uh, speaking of rolling mode on track club is still running on Tuesdays. We're still doing all the group runs and stuff like that. Uh, they are Indiana's running brand built on a deep love for the sport and the Hoosier state. They craft products, tell stories and create experiences that aim to celebrate support and add to Indiana's running culture. Check out the link in the show notes and on Twitter for details on their club runs, which I just talked about. It's every Tuesday night um, at a pretty cool barbecue spot down in broad ripple ish area. Uh, they run with a bunch of people. Check it out. Uh, they also have some cool merch, hoodies, koozies, all that cool stuff. As a thank you to our listeners, they're offering 10% off your order. It's LEO10 at checkout, LEO10. All right, let's revisit predictions real quick, and then we'll get to the fun part of the podcast, hopefully, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, nobody was close. I guess Seth wins again, maybe with closest wrong score. Seth had us winning 34-33. Brandon had us winning 41-38. I had us winning 45-31. Uh, we don't need to revisit those anymore. Brando's Randos. What's up, Brando? What do you got? I hate to talk about the elephant in the room. I know this answer, but I'm going to ask. Has the fan base turned on this, on, on this team? Mm. I'm going to say I'm going to say the majority. N- no, but they're on. So, edge. so are you saying there is a vocal minority? minority? Yes. Okay. There's a so is the it vocal- prominent people within the IU fandom prominent people. No, I think I just think it's people, people with that, voices. Well, there's one person with a voice. Yes. But I would, I mean, honestly, like, or a couple people maybe, but like th- those people, I, what were the, I'm going to say this again. What were the expectations of this year? They couldn't have six. been six and six. I, they're three and two. They're three and two with seven games to go with it. Like what we talked pregame with, maybe four winnable ish games left. I mean, as Seth said, we're probably not going to be favorite in any, if not maybe one or two more games the rest of the way, unless they can turn something around, maybe on Saturday, they put on a show or, or they beat Maryland the following Saturday, which is one of those four games. But any of those, there are four games at least that are left on that schedule that IU is going to go in with a decent shot at. And that's enough to go in at, at seven and five. And I'm not saying you you lay over for a rollover for Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State either. Two of those three games are at home. We know what's happened. Whenever we usually play Penn State at home, it's always a close game. So uh, we'll see what happens, man. And you saw what, I mean, honestly, you saw what Purdue did, did against Penn State. They should have won, won the game. And they lost to, I don't even know, 
bad team. I can't even remember. So who was it, Seth? Which one? Syracuse? Yeah, that one. Or the other one before that. Penn State. No, there was like one more, right? Those are our two losses. Oh, you guys almost lost to FAU. Yeah, That's we right. almost lost to FAU. Almost lost to FAU. Yeah. Cool. All right, Brandon. Um, for the fans that have turned, what does this team have to do to get it back? Just win. Literally just win or show some sort of... Because uh, I don't think there's anything. Like, I don't no, think I there's think anything I think that they, they just do. win. I think, I think, I think, I think the 20... <sighs> I think the 20 to 30% of fans IU gained in the COVID season is what's falling off. I really do. And like, the are those expect- the fans at the games, Brandon? Are those the fans that buy tickets and go to the games? No, Cause I'm going to say not. no. It and I don't not. care if they don't go to the games and I don't care if they're not like legitimately invested in this team. I don't care if they're, if they're watching, if they've got, what is it on now? Seth Peacock. If they've got Peacock on one TV, and Big Ten Network on the other TV or ESPN or ESPN2 or whatever I use on Fox this Saturday, then I don't care what their opinion is. Oh, so I just say it then. You go ahead. All right. I think there's a section of the fan base that is just counting down the minutes till midnight madness. And football is just a passing fad. You know, keep the clock to to get mad. Yeah, right. So that they can get mad at basketball season again. Yep. Exactly. So I think there's a lot of people out there who are like that. I, you know, nothing against them. I mean, that's, you know, if they want to be basketball people, that's fine. But like the whole point is you want to develop a fan base that is consistent and not worry about the ones who are kind of flighty and seasonal. Yeah. So I know we talked about like wrapping this up. So real quick. So let me just say something real quick. So Nebraska or not Nebraska Northwestern just comes out with the fact that they're going to build a, what an 80, $800 million stadium or something like that. So in a smaller stadium than what they have, I think is how it was, how it was tweeted out. They can't right? fill the one they have now. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I think it's what it said, like a small ish venue that's for like concerts and everything concerts, else, yep. which makes sense for that area of Chicago to have another venue, some somewhere else so they can go. And everybody's like, IU needs to catch up guys. We just closed the bowl four years ago. They just updated the locker room two years ago. Like they're investing and it's not shown. I mean, they just put, I mean, look, we put in lights. I'm not going to say that that's a huge investment, but they put in lights. We we've talked about this. I don't even know how many times you win, you get money, you invest into the program. If, and I get the far, everybody's going to be screaming. Well, if you don't invest in the program, you can't get the, the recruits and then you can't win. Recruits are the recruits are here and their recruiting classes. The last three years have been the best, if not, three of the five best recruiting classes in the history of the program they're here it's just getting them to to fit this the system again you're you're in your third third offensive course second offensive coordinator in three years third defensive coordinator in three years it's consistency and getting them to follow through with the game plan and this is a good team good enough to go to a bowl good enough to be six and six maybe seven and five but i think that a lot of these fan base people they just need to just calm down. Stop reading the the um, freak out media people and stuff like that, and just just watch. Just you're not paying attention. That's the only thing. So continue. All right. Need intervention, guys, if it's necessary. Okay. So far this season, you've got positive, Brandon. Saturday night was 
reactionary on Twitter, Brandon. <laughs> Does do, do I need to take a hiatus from Twitter? Uh, yeah, man, I saw some of your reactions. <laughs> um, um, one of which uh, you may have kind of hinted at a little bit ago. Um, uh, a hiatus. I don't know, but I can't believe Seth was Seth not paying attention to you on your phone because you know this is all happened when I got home. This is oh, like, I, I was going to say. Oh, no, he muted himself as he was talking. No, he, he was not. Mute himself. Yeah, no, he was on. He was not on while he was at my house. I, I was I, not. on. That was yeah. me. Went home and drank a whole lot more and then got yeah. really mad because I was just. Yeah. So here's my thing, Brandon. And you know the way that I react, like I was sick to my stomach after that game. So like I was really mad. I couldn't like, wait. Yeah, really yeah of mad. course. I could not wait. And I can't believe I'm about to say this. I couldn't wait for Sunday at one o'clock so that the Colts could come on and I could forget, hopefully, and it didn't turn out that way, hopefully forget about what happened in Nebraska until we had to talk about it today. Um, and I could at least feel better for a little bit. And it didn't work. None of our teams. At least you good, didn't lose to Zach Wilson. And he didn't he didn't uh, gritty in your end zone. He did gritty after a yeah. touchdown catch. Yes, um, it was a bad weekend for that. Though. It was a bad weekend for our NFL teams. Um, hashtag fire Gus Bradley um, to the moon. But um, but yeah, there we go. All right, last one. Last one. What I was saying was just stay off Twitter after a while. Don't go to Twitter. Don't go to the message boards. It's not good for your health. I've stayed off the message boards, but yeah, Twitter. That was probably my worst Twitter meltdown I think I've ever had. Stay off Twitter. Um, what did your uh, California friends think of your fandom? Because, you know, California fans of any sport aren't exactly the most passionate. Um, what were what were their Sunday morning thoughts of Bragg's IU fandom? So um, he watched it with me in the barn. As I've ex- as I've explained before, this is not a typical barn. It's a very nice barn. Um, we we watched it out there. I w- watched it out there by myself for a little bit uh, to stay away from things as I was screaming profanities and a good good profanities and bad profanities and you know what I mean. They they were cool with it, man. I say he's a California graduate, but he's from. Um, Seth, maybe you can help me right outside of Danville, Illinois, but on the Indiana side, like the very next exit. Huffington? It's close, close ish to that. But he's on like the west side of Indiana was where he was born and uh, always grew up a big Colts fan. So when he watches the Colts, for me, it's kind of the opposite. Like I I enjoy the Colts. I'm a big Colts guy. Whenever I go to the game, I get more into it, similar to like what I am at an IU game. But watching it at home, I'm not as like, upset as I am watching an IU game necessarily, but he's the same way I am, but with the Colts, he just doesn't get into college sports, I guess the same way that, that we do. So, but he was fine. He was fine. He knew what to expect. He also got up at six 30 in the morning to watch Arsenal with me. So, um, he, he heck saw of a sport. heck of a sport. It is heck of a sport. He didn't speaking of that. They won. So at least my weekend wasn't a total wash. So that's great. Um, but no, 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 he knew what to expect. All right. That's all I got. Okay. Seth, reach into your sack, make it quick, and uh, let's get out of here. 
Yeah, you already took my Paul Chris Thunder, um, fired from Wisconsin, Jim Leonard in. He was one of my favorite players when I was a kid. One of those undersized safeties. I think he was a walk-on, eventually became like a yeah. long-term starter. Did he play I think in the he NFL? was with this with the uh Ravens and the Jets, maybe in the opposite order, if I remember correctly. Heart returner, I think, in the NFL. That too. Um, I know he hasn't coached a game yet, so this is a ridiculous question. But do you think he gets a fair shot or do they try to land a bigger name? No, I oh. think they sign him. I think if he wins, if they f- Man, I gotta look at their schedule. Hold on. They haven't played hardly anybody yet, so <laughs> I know, and they've lost some bad games, right? Okay, so let's look at their schedule. Man, they've got some tough ones coming up. And they played it. They played some tough games. Washington State's not a bad team, so they're two and three with losses to Washington State at Ohio State and Illinois. So they've got Northwestern coming up, which is a good game, I guess, for a first-time head coach. Uh huh. And then they're at Michigan State, so it's not that hard. Then they've got Purdue coming down. in. They've got Purdue coming in, which is yeah. Any it doesn't matter who's coming. Wisconsin in, beats the hell out of Purdue every time. Randall, yeah. You've got Maryland coming. I mean, there's a shot there, Seth, for four wins right off the bat. And then you got yeah. Iowa away. And then you got Nebraska away. That's another win. And then you've got Minnesota at home for the trophy. I mean, there's a, if I think if they make a bowl, which I would say they should, but I haven't really watched any Wisconsin. I know they can be really bad. I would say yeah. if they make a bowl, they keep him. Yeah. I just always wonder if, uh, you know, he is a homegrown kid. So you'd think that he, you know, uh, he would definitely want the job. Uh, I always think that those like kind of really good coordinators, are sometimes appreciated at other schools as kind of the uh, prize coaching coup. Um, so I, you know, I always get kind of curious as to whether or not that guy is going to stick. I hope he does. I think he's probably going to be a good coach, but um, yeah, just always wonder if he's going to get a fair chance or not, or if, you know, some other school would be more attracted to him, um, pay him a hell of a lot of money. All right. Um, another thing Brandon and I talked about Saturday Um this is a guy who I normally can't stand calling games. Uh, and I hope you didn't talk about this early, uh, but Matt Millen was startlingly lucid. Um, he has some yeah. games where he just, you know, it, it sounds like he's just munching on a bag of marbles um, and he's got like, you know, brain soup going. Um, but he was, he was on top of things. He was calling out the right players. He was calling out schemes. He was, questioning the refs when they were doing stuff that didn't make any sense and it made me feel like the things i was seeing was being validated which is sometimes a terrifying thing and we were um, definitely so, making jokes we're like we are agreeing with everything matt millen is saying like <laughs> what what is going on here uh yeah we talked about that a lot matt millen was the best part of that game yeah uh so for for a very like kind of uh less than amazing game to watch he his insight was was spot on most of the time so good for him only negative uh, thing i have to say about that is i thought that maybe he had aged quite a bit well yeah that's seen him yeah so uh like, the like, last time i saw him he was struggling to walk upstairs or something they were doing some promo about how he was coming back from something oh, so yeah. oh um, ooh. Uh, yeah i don't know sorry. uh I, I i have no idea i can't remember what it was so i'm probably a terrible person but um it was just you know, he was, it was a good call. And I think we like to poop on the announcers a lot because sometimes I'll watch games on mute because they're unlistenable. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's good, call them out. All right. That's it. 
All right. I, I don't think I have any final statements left. I think we've talked about some of the complaints that I've had. Uh, I mean, mainly with our, our, some of our fan base, which kind of, we touched base on last week as well. I get it. I mean, you do you, I mean, I'm not going to be mad at anybody individually. It just, it sucks, man. Cause these, you know, if anybody's going to the team's three and two, I mean, the team is three and two. Sure. There's an uphill battle the rest of the way with Michigan, Michigan state, Penn state still on the schedule. You got some other tough games, obviously on the road. So um, there's, they're just support the team, man. They're, they're and, amateur and here, players. And here I'm going to, sorry to cut you off, but I mean, yeah. I think this is a, a perfect segue into my final statement. The path to six is six is still there. I mean, that's what Seth, that's what I was telling Seth on Saturday, right? Like Michigan state looks beatable. Maryland looks beatable. Rutgers we know is beatable. There's your three. Is the margin of error pretty much gone now? Yes. The margin of error is gone. You now have to win three of four games, that fourth game being Purdue, right? So, like, the, the margin of error is gone. But this, it, this season isn't lost, and we all came into this season as optimistic IU fans. We're still optimistic IU fans, but the goal was always six or seven wins. In six or seven wins, you can still clearly draw a map to yeah. So, I mean, the, the last two Saturdays have sucked. The last two Saturdays, this team's looked really bad. But Cincinnati's a really good team, and you played a extremely desperate team, yeah. right? Like, that, that wasn't Nebraska's Super Bowl, right? But, like, they're embarrassed. They've been embarrassed. They, you know, so, I don't know, like, Maybe this is me just making excuses, but, you know, I, I still see, you know, a path to where we're calling this season a success. You want to poo on a fan base like we pooed all over Nebraska's fan base. But guess what? They sold that stadium out again for how many 300 some odd straight sellouts. I mean, they're not good. We lost to them, which I mean, again, Brandon said it was a desperate team making you know, they made the plays they needed to, to make to win the game. And we made a bunch of mental mistakes and it, it is what it is. It happens in college football. It happens all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, we just need the support needs to be there. The support will be there from the people that understand that and really want this team to succeed. And that's all that matters. So Seth, anything else? Yeah. Quick Matt Millen clarification oh here to cover my ass. Um, oh yeah, he had a heart transplant. Oh, he, they no. apparently had found some issue in his heart that he was having issues creating protein or uh, and he had a shortness of breath. So that's what the video of him walking up the stairs was. Um, yeah, so very good to know that he's in much better health and that things are going well for him. Um, so yeah, just make sure that that's a separate comment. But I was solely talking about there. His commentary skills were sometimes less than amazing. But yeah, sorry about that. Sorry, Matt. Sorry for saying you looked a little rough. My bad, bud. Um, didn't know that. And uh, good luck for you. And uh, you look great for, for that being done. So um, real quick, again, we got another home game coming up. Brandon, are you going to finally show up? Babysitter has been booked. So, yes. yes. Okay, perfect. As of right now, I am going. However, as Seth knows, I like to hedge bets. So we also did put our tickets up for quite expensive. So if I can get what I put the tickets out for, I'm not going to say it on this podcast, but if I can get the money I want to get for them, then I'm not going to go. 
So babysitter is booked. I plan on going, but if I can make a profit, I'm going to make a good profit. All right. That's what's wrong with our fan base. Um, I will, <laughs> I will be there. Um, it's going to be football weather day. So I think by the time we get out there, probably mid forties, low forties, somewhere along there for the tailgate. Uh, we'll have it up. We'll have the, the new canopy. I showed Brandon got the new canopy today. Uh, it's pretty fire. Uh, we'll have the new canopy up. We'll have the heaters going. We'll have uh, breakfast of some sort going as well. We'll tweet out the picture, do all that fun stuff of where we're at. Come on by, say hi, have a shot or two. Make my wife uncomfortable would be great. And then, uh, yeah, go Hoosiers. So uh, anything else you want to add, Seth? Seth's not coming. This is thank God. Um, I know. I was going to say, I was thinking about it. If it was five and over four and one, I was going to have a hard time passing it up, but <laughs> yeah no no you're not allowed to come uh be sure to check out the pod on twitter it's at podcast leo be sure to download rate review and follow on all of our platforms you guys know the drill do it just just do it and if you've done it unfollow us and refollow us and do all the cool stuff uh and we love you guys leo 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 awesome day leo thank you so much rick i appreciate that leo all right great leo appreciate you guys leo you're welcome dave have a great day leo have a great day, Elio. Appreciate you being here with us. Have an awesome day, and Elio. Oh, thank you so much, Elio. Well, thanks so much, Elio. Hey, thanks so much, Mike. Appreciate that, Elio. Appreciate you guys, man. Have an awesome day, Elio. Awesome, Elio. Elio. Elio.